Now, if you've got your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 7, verse 25, let's stand together and respect the Word of God while we read it. 725, we stand together to sing Amazing Grace, we ought to stand together reading the Word of God. Chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to begin reading. I believe we'll start up, oh, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. He that doth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and thy name cast out devils, and thy name done many wondrous works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doth them, will liken him unto a wise man, which built a house, his house upon a rock. The rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these things of mine, and doth them not, shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and the beat upon that house, and it fell not. And, I, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Let me read that 27th verse. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as a scribe. Let's bow our heads now for prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for thy word. I thank you, God, tonight, today, that your word's forever settled. I thank you, God, today, that your word will never pass away. I thank you, God, that your word is pure. I thank you, dear Lord, that we, the young man can settle his ways by taking heed to thy word. I thank you, Lord, that uh, you set your word above your name. I thank you, like Job said, it's more to us than our necessary food. I pray, God, that you'll take us now and through and by thy word encourage the heart of the discouraged. Lift up the fallen. I pray, dear Lord, today that you will feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, Bless this dear church and this good pastor, and Lord, help me to be a blessing. May your name be glorified, may the saint be edified, and may we go out of here strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We'll thank and praise you for it in Christ's name, amen and amen. You may be seated, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know, there may be in this congregation someone that your skill and your trade is being a carpenter. I'm not a carpenter. I guess I'm the only man alive, if I started to build a house, it would probably wind up upside down. I don't know how to build. I'm just confessing it. There's no need of pretending about it. I don't know how to build. That's, that's just honest about me. You may not know how to fly an airplane. I don't know how to build. I remember one time my mama said, Ed, I, I need a chicken cook for some little chickens that are hatched off. And I thought anybody surely could build one of them little chicken coops. And I said, I'll build one. I worked all day, hit all the nails. All ten of them. And uh, I remember I went to Mama and I said, Mama, I've got your chicken cook built. She walked out and looked at it. I'll never forget the look on her face. She walked around about twice, rubbed me on top of the head, and said, Son, if you think I'm going to put my chickens in there, you're crazy. No chickens will ever be in there. We started to walk away and it fell. Started to walk away from it. it I don't know how to build. But there's one thing I got from the scripture that I read today, and I got a number of things. There's one thing I found out. The first thing when you start to build a house, the very first thing you do is not put the roof on. That's not the first thing you do. Putting the roof on is not the first thing. 
I found out also one of the first things you, you don't do, you don't put the electrical wiring invert. There are basic things that fall in order. One, two, three, four, and right down the line. I found out that the first thing you do is what? Dig the footing. Get the footing down. That's it. And that's so vital and so important is have a good footing. Now, a lot of houses go down, not because they don't have good paint on them, not because they don't have good windows in them, not because they don't have good shingles on them, but because they don't have a good foundation. The Bible said no other foundation can any man lay than that that is laid already. You know why we're having so much trouble in our churches? No foundation. That's just it. It's just that simple. It's not hard to figure out. I hear folks say, oh, preacher, we're having so much trouble. And I said, what's the matter? And I began to just talk to him. You know, uh, I find out if you'll just listen, you can learn a whole lot more sometimes you can talk. And, and I said, what kind of service you be? Oh, said we had, we have singings and we have homecomings and we have this and have that. But somehow or other, every time somebody says something, just flies all to pieces. You can't build on things like that. This won't work, folks. It just won't work. Foundation is so vital to your life. Individually, you've got to have a foundation. A church has got to have a foundation. A Sunday school has got to have a foundation. Did you know what I found out? That most churches, and I'm going to say this group-wise, I, I checked this out sometime, and I got frightened and scared and sick. I quit checking. I didn't want to check no more. I find out that most churches, if you'll find out their origin, they were built because they got into a fight over at another church. And so, if you were to close down every church that was a splinter or a split, you might have to drive 75 miles to go to church. Oh, I'm right as I can be. I'm just right. That's exactly right, folks. And so you say, well, what will that church do? Never will do much because it's got a wrong foundation. It was built in bitterness and anger. It can't go far. Well, you said you ought to say that. Well, if your phone's not ringing, don't answer it. That's just something. I know there's people in one church that won't speak to people in that other church. Folks, that's so right. I don't know why folks have a hard time saying amen to that. That's just so. That's just basically so. And so foundation is important. You can't build on anger. You can't build on malice and hatred. Oh, you may put the steeple on them, but it'll be what side of that twice because the foundation will go down. But notice, the Bible tells about two men, two men that decided one day to build them a house. They're going to both build them a house. And uh, I see the story unfolds in front of me. The Bible said one of those men built his house on the sand. Now, you know about the man that built his house on the rock. It didn't fall. It didn't fall. It didn't move. But notice, if you will, one built his house on the sand. Now, I believe with all my heart, you could have stepped back and looked at both those houses, and I believe they were pretty houses. I really do. I don't know why I believe that, but I just believe they were pretty houses. I believe they were. I believe they had nice paint on them, nice windows. I believe the law. And you know, if, 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 if there'd have been just good sunshiny weather, that house that was on the sand might have lasted a long time. 
know, you can shine, uh, it can, the sunshine can get up to 120 degrees and shine on a house. Sunshine will never tear a house down. Never will. Or that house built on the sand, it may have could have stood a few little showers. Just little showers. It would have stood there probably 75 years. It may have could have stood, hey, Breeze, you know, one of these little breezes. It just did that. But the thing about it is our Christian walk of life is destined to have some storms in it. I guess one of the biggest lies was ever told to me after I got saved, a man came to me and said, Ed, I heard you got saved. I said, that's right. I used to bootleg it in place. Didn't have a handle on it, but anyway. He said, here he got saved. I said, that's right. Oh, he said, I tell you, you got it made now. You were just shouting, boy, how the best time of the rest. You just coast right on in. I haven't had a fight since God saved me. If I could meet that turkey, I'd knock a knot on his head. He lied to me. I've had very little coasting, and I found out the coast is dangerous. I never did see a truck wreck going up a hill. But I saw a lot of them wrecked going down the mountain. There's a coasting. Doesn't kick her out of gear. Amen. And thought, boy, I'll make some time here. Amen. You better watch that coasting business. It will get you in trouble. But notice, these buildings were destined to have some storms in them. The Bible said the rains and the wind and the floods came. Now, you know what? I find a lot of folks, boy, just a shouting, and, Woo! Hallelujah! Glory to God! And I see that one Sunday, and about six months later, I walk up to them, and they got Bud Stupid on their breath. And I said, uh, do I smell beer? Well, I just had one. I said, what's the matter? Well, I tell you, some folks hurt me so bad, and I just didn't see bad weather hit. Bad weather hit. And now then their foundation showed up. <laughs> Amen. I said, what happened? What happened? Well, they wouldn't let me play the piano no more. Oh, they took the teaching Sunday school class away from me. Here's what I'm saying. A man that's on a foundation, stuff like that won't matter. Won't matter. I said, I said it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. But there are floods that's going to come in your life. You can mark it down. If they haven't got there yet, hang around. They will be there. So I want to talk about some floods this morning. That's all right, ain't it? I want to talk about some floods that will come in our lives. First of all, there's the flood of testing. You know, this may come as a shock to you, but don't blame the devil for all the bad weather you have. God may let you get in some bad weather. It may be the sovereign and perfect will of God for you to have some storms. Why? To test you. How many of you go down here to buy a car without trying it out? I'm going to try a car out. If he said, no, this is a showroom car, it just sits on the showroom all the time, you can't test it, I wouldn't buy it for nothing. I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't have it at all. What if I were to take a car out and it run good on smooth ground, but the first little hill it hit, it wouldn't run over the hill. 
We've got a lot of folks that can shout in sunshine, but when they hit the mountain, they, they, they choke out right there. They choke out right there. That won't work. And here we are, the flood of testing. God, the Bible said Abraham was a friend of God. He was a friend of God. Oh, he was God's buddy, if you please. And God and Abraham walked together, talked together, and one day God said to Uncle Abe, said, Son, said, uh, you and Sarah are going to have a son. They laughed. That's the biggest joke in the world. Yeah, they were old. Up in, uh, I mean, that, that hundred mile marker right there, it's a bouncing on both. And they said, Us have a young one. Why, we're past all that. We can't have kids. And, and nothing's impossible with God. And said, Going to have a young one. Well, you know the story how that God sent them their son Isaac. God gave them their son Isaac. Oh, I can imagine before Isaac was born, one day old Abe sitting out on the front porch, you know, and rocking in one of them Cracker Barrel rocking chairs, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, Sarah came out, and, and he said, Good morning, Sarah, and she said, Good morning, Lord. No, she said, You said she was talking to Abraham. She called Abraham Lord. That was her name for her you want, why, you want to know why a lot of homes come apart? They don't have their Bible relationship. Did you not know God's got a, a chain that goes right down through the home? Amen. He said, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He said, Wives, be obedient to your own husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. You get that kind of order, they'll never be in divorce court. Never will. Hey, boy, they don't have nothing to do up there. They ain't got nothing to do up there, amen? And it's so eyes it came along. But notice, she said, he said, uh, honey, what do you want? She said, Lord, I need a little money. Where are you going? She said, I'm going down to Kmart. And she said, what are you going down there? Well, she said, they've got a sale on bird's eye diapers. Don't you know the devil had a nervous breakdown when he looked over at Abraham's house and saw them diapers on the line? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tickle when I thought about that. I just laughed. <laughs> Amen. But notice, see, God being sovereign had some things in mind for Sarah and Abraham. They were facing, didn't know it right then, but they were facing one of the biggest floods that would probably ever come in their life. God gave them Isaac. I could go on and say a lot of things about that, but oh, God gave them Isaac. And then one day Abraham and God was talking. God said, Abraham, I want Isaac back. I want him back. I want him back. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me say this. Sometimes God can give you something and he's blessed and you're blessed. But sometimes God can take it away from you to test you. See, it's amazing how folks love the Lord for what he gives them. But oh, when God being sovereign like he is takes it away, you ought to love him more. Amen. So God said to Abraham, I want him back. You know the story. I like to read that. Started out to the place. The Bible said that Abraham looked a long way off and saw the place. That was the place. And then the Bible said he came to the place. You know the reason some of you are in trouble right now? You never have come to the place. You never have come to the place. You'll run up the white flag and say, I surrender all. You never have come to the place of letting God fill you with sweetness instead of bitterness. You never have come to the place where you'll surrender everything and say, Lord, I lay it in your hands. Hallelujah. 
unconscionable there. Well, I could preach a long right time, a long time right there, but oh, and God said the trials of your faith being much more precious than gold. Oh, did you know the things that try you and test you and God send you through, they'll come out to honor and glory God and make you a stronger Christian. Amen? My wife and I are going through one of the tryingest times right now we've ever been through in our life. We never have been through nothing like it. Never have. It's the most difficult time we've ever been through. But my wife, I never found her in a bar. I never found her on the bench. Found her in an old-fashioned Methodist home. We sitting on the porch the other day, and I said, "Honey, looks like we're going to lose everything we got, home, everything." And she looked around at me and patted me on the shoulder. Said, "If we have to go out that driveway, barefoot, we'll do it with character and dignity." <laughs> Hallelujah! The trials and the testing of your faith! Yes, sir. So let me go on. There's the flood of testing. Then there's the flood of persecution. The Bible said in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that live godly shall suffer persecution. Now, I'm going to say this to you, and I love you folks. I love you. I'm having a good time. You said there ain't many here. My having a good time is not predicated on how many is here. My having a good time me minding God and letting God speak through me. See, I'm getting something out of this message too. Somebody said, you get blessed for, blessed for your preaching. If I don't, why should I expect you to? But notice, if you will, I found out a long time ago in every Christian's life there'll be somebody along the way to give you persecution. Amen. Paul said, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. For what reason? Anybody know? Oh, it wasn't to be a blessing. But it was there to test and try. God let that. God could have kept that from being there. Those things that are coming in your life, those things that are happening, those people that talk about you and those folks that persecute you, God could have killed them before they started. But God let it happen. Amen? Did you not know that a diamond is born under pressure? Did you not know that a diamond, before it was a diamond, was a lump of coal? And to make a diamond out of it, God put it under pressure. That may be what God's doing there for you right now, putting, making a diamond out of you. Amen? He may exhibit you. Woo! He may exhibit you one day and say, look at that, that diamond. Hallelujah. I wouldn't. I say, if I wasn't so dignified, I'd shout all over this place. Thank God! <laughs> mm. And here you are grumbling because you're going through a rough time. My wife said, what do you think we'll do, Brother Ed, if we lose our house? I said, I've already got a nice tree picked out right down yonder. Got some limbs that go way out, and we can put some plastic up in there. We'll be dry. You say, wait a minute, preacher. Do you mean that? I don't joke about things that's it. Well, you say, now, wait a minute, Preacher Blue. God can keep it from happening. Yeah, he sure can, but he may not. Well, you said, I prayed for my mother to live, and God let her die. Yes. God don't heal everybody. God may not heal you when you get sick, 
But God knows what he's doing, see. He knows which way. To, the Bible said he knows the way that I take. He knows where I'm at. <laughs> <Whoa>! <laughs> Hallelujah! You say, well, now, Brother Blue, people are so mean to me and they're just treating me awful. Well, whoopee-doo. Whoopee-doo. Sure, they're going to. Listen, I've had everything. I heard a man say this is not original to me, but I've had everything told on me. You can't tell nothing new on me. You can't do it. I've had all of them. And they're going to have to start over, retail it again, because they're going to run out of them. You say, well, don't it bother you? Why should it bother me? I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. You can't do a thing in the world about it. They can't either. They may cause me some problems and heartaches, but that'll just make heaven sweeter. <laughs> amen. Everybody say amen right there. Thank God. Hallelujah. Persecutions will come. I like Isaiah 59, 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard. See, God will just let things go so far. He will vindicate his name. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. The flood of persecution. Now, I used to, when you folks knew me as a young man, I could preach two hours, no trouble at all. But now then, I just kind of coast along and maybe try to preach 30 minutes or 45 minutes, and I'm through. I'm wore out. Amen. But there's another flood that'll hit you that God showed me something on this year a while back that I tell you, I, I shouted, I shouted. Now, let me, let me ask you something. A lot of folks won't own up to it. But I will. How many of you sitting here right now since you've been saved in your Christian life, the devil has come to you and in some measure tried to make you doubt? I want to be the first to raise hands. The devil has come to me and tried to tell me this book wasn't even so. He has tried to make me doubt. And I thought that was a weakness in my spiritual character. I thought I must be the only one thinking like that. But you know what? That's nothing new. That's one of the main pieces of ammunition in the devil's target. In the devil's ammunition. Listen, listen to me, listen to me. There's going to be a day of floods of doubt. The devil will come in like a flood. And I've had him to come. See, most of you that know me know that I travel all the time. I just got in from south of Atlanta yesterday. Drove in home. And I'll be going again to Alabama, Maryville, Tennessee, Alabama, just all the time. I, I hate motels and restaurants. And I've gone into those motels lots of times. And, and oh, just, I, I mean, listen, feel that oppressing spirit of the devil. And if, I've laid down at night in the bed and had the devil to come to me and, and start talking to me and, and telling me things. And I've heard him say, you're not saved. Do you ever tell you that? You're not saved. Well, you said, now, Brother Boo, that, that must mean there's something wrong with you. Wait just a minute. How many of you ever remember in the Bible ever reading about John? He was out there in the water one day, and John said, Behold the Lamb of God. He recognized him, brother. Oh, yeah. 
Now, this is a great man. The Bible said about John, there's none born of woman greater than John the Baptist. Oh, we're talking about tops. God said there's never been a man come from a womb greater than John. So, John recognized him right off. You'd never think about John ever doubting, would you? Huh? No. Man, no. You'd never think John would ever have any problems along that line. But wait a minute. You remember John was in prison one time? The devil may catch you in your prison one of these days, and that's when you're down and out. That's when he'll hit you. And all of a sudden, John's disciples was over there visiting John one day, and John said, boys, I've got a little job for you. Now, remember, John already picked him out said, there's the Lamb of God. That's him. Behold the Lamb of God. John knew him. Recognized him and confessed it. John said to his disciples, boys, I've got a little job for you. And they said, what is it, John? He said, do you know where Jesus is? And I'm, no, I'm just uh, paraphrasing. Well, yes, yeah, said he's down yonder. Said, I've got, got a little job for you. I want you to do for him. What is it? Said, I want you to go down there and ask him, what's this? The man had said, behold the Lamb of God. Now then, John said, I want you to go down there and ask him, are you the one? Or should we look for another? Am I right, preacher? Do you know what that's telling me? I don't care how big you are. I had a preacher rebuke me on this here a while back. But I looked in his eyes, and I could tell there wasn't nobody home. But, you, you, you know, you can tell. And I looked in his eyes, and I said, Lord said, don't worry about it, son. Don't worry about it. Folks, I don't care how big you get, the devil will come to you and try to make you doubt. And he may be successful to a measure, but I got news for you. When that stuff comes your way, when it's to, and it will, it will come to your life. There's a song that I used to sing. I just steal away. I just steal away. And I ask the blessed Lord to lead the way. <laughs> hey. Amen. See, when the clouds roll in and the thunder's rolling and the devil said you're lost, find you a place. Just get on your face before God and say, Lord Jesus, he's at it again. He's giving me a hard time. Seek him, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah. <sighs> the flood of doubt. You'll start doubting the love of God for you. You'll start doubting your pastor. You'll start doubting your husband. You'll start doubting your wife. You'll start doubting everything. See, it's just a great big old flood that's coming in on you. Amen. Let me cover two or three more here. There's the flood of temptation. Now, don't you think that you've got the place that nothing don't bother you no more? 
And you better not never start naming out things that don't bother you because the devil's listening at you. He's listening to you. And dummy, if you'll keep your mouth shut, he's some of the things he won't know about. Sometimes I think folks must write the devil a letter and tell him the things that bother him. He said, oh, goody, I'll, do, I'll take care of that today. Well, anyway, there's the floods of temptation. Now, look here. You know what I'm touching? Flesh. Flesh. Not saved. That flesh is not saved. Never has been saved. And oh, by the way, it never will be saved. There's no hope of this stuff going to heaven. Flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom. Amen? That flesh. Now, inside here, I'm saved. This flesh is not saved. This flesh will still do all the things it used to do if I just turn it loose. Paul said, I keep my body under rejection. Amen. That flesh will still do all that. It'll get drunk as a skunk. It'll cuss. It'll think bad thoughts. Am I right? It'll run around on a husband or wife. It'll do that. And you said, oh, that's just certain God. No, that's, he said, have no confidence in the flesh. That's preacher flesh, deacon flesh, singer flesh. Uh, son. It don't make no difference. That flesh is flesh. And don't you come strutting up to me and say, well, I'll tell you right now, I don't do nothing no more. I'm just, I'm so saved, I'm sanctified, I'm, you may be petrified too. Amen. Don't talk to me that way. You listen, you're just as capable of sinning as, uh, I, you're just as capable of, uh, somebody fell here a while back, some preacher, and some young preacher strutted up to me and said, bless God, I never did have much confidence in him. And I got news for you. I thought that, but I got news for you. That never will happen to me. I thought about just boxing his jaw. You better not start around boasting and say it won't happen to you. I'm conscious every day it could happen to me today. And you better realize that fact too. Amen. Me and a young preacher's out visiting one day, and an old man would run up on, I believe he's 90, sitting on the porch down in Florida. We talked to him a while, got his testimony, we shouted a while, and we cried a while, oh, we just had a ball. And we started to leave, and the young preacher said, well, Dad, I don't guess the devil bothers you much no more, do you? And the old man said, well, he hasn't bothered me too much in the last 15 or 20 minutes. At 90 years old. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to say is I don't care how old you are The devil's got something planned for you today Or tomorrow this afternoon one Amen And he'll pull it on you And sir, temptation will come your way Then there's the flood of disappointment Nothing hurts worse than being disappointed In somebody That's right That's the reason you better keep your eyes on Jesus I love you folks, but I got news for you. I know you're flesh, and I know you're human beings, and I know you can fall and fail. Am I right? And I know when you do fall, I'm subject to do the same thing. You know, one of the things that's hurting me nowadays is so bad. I mean, it's hurting me bad. It's hurting me to see preachers falling like they are. I don't like to see it. But I got news for you. You can get mad at me if you want to, but there's not one of them fell. That I don't weep over. And I see preachers jump up in the pulpit when one of them falls and they've got preaching material for the next six months. Say, Bass God, ha! I always thought he's gonna do that. I just kind of felt, oh my God, you better keep your mouth shut. Considering thyself, let's also be tempted. 
Take heed when you take your stand, lest you fall. Don't you tell me the devil can't put you on a spot. The floods of disappointment. I hear Paul said about Demas, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. I've been so disappointed, but I've never yet been disappointed in Jesus. I never have, not one time. Oh, I've had preachers to disappoint me and family to disappoint me and friends disappoint me. But oh, <laughs> never one time have I ever said, Jesus, I'm disappointed in you. Oh, he's been disappointed with me, but I've never been disappointed with him. The floods of disappointment. The last thing I want to say to you before I close. There's a song, an old song, that describes a flood that I wish everybody in the world could know about. It describes a flood that everybody ought to know about. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's and sinners plunge beneath that Lose all their guilt, Lose all their guilt, stain. Lose all their guilty stain. And sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilt There'll be some floods coming in your life. It may be sunny, sun shining down here in the valley. But the flood may be falling up down in the mountains and it may hit you tomorrow. It may not be here today. But it may be winding its way down through the mountains to hit the valley. And everything you have tomorrow may be swept away. And God said the trials of your faith being much more precious than good. You may be just an ordinary, everyday, average, run-of-the-mill Christian today. But if you'll come through the flood right, you'll be a different man or woman. You may never have been nobody to do anything, but if you'll come through this flood right, God may say, I can use them now. A diamond, before it's fit to go on your ring, first, the thing when they find it, usually it's wrapped up in some old black stuff, gummy stuff. They have to get that off. And then they have to take it and put it in a vice. 
and a man with a glass will look down through it. And after a while, when he sees his faults with skilled hands, he'll take a chisel and sit on it. And he'll chip off all the flaws. And when he gets it just right, he'll take that diamond up and put it on a polishing wheel and hold it. Well, you said, I wonder why it don't sparkle. Wait just a minute. He puts it on that polishing wheel. And you know what? He won't lay a white cloth out here and lay that diamond on it. He'll put a black piece of velvet in the background. And you said, it's not sparkling yet. No, lay it out there on that velvet. It'll never sparkle a time. But after a while, he puts it under the light. And the light goes in, and it don't stay in there. It comes back out. That's what's wrong with some of your life. You take it in, but never give it out. Never give it out. My dear, would you come to the piano, please? There is some floods going to come your way. There's floods may hit today, may hit tomorrow. How will you weather the storm? How will you do? What will you do? Will you give up? Will you throw up your hand? Will you say, I quit? I'm through. I give up. Is that what you're going to do? Brother Young, come please, sir. Get your song ready. I want you to sing, I Surrender All. Can you? We, we have that number, don't we, dear? I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. What number is that, Brother Young? 354 will be the number. If you want to find it now, we're going to have prayer in just a minute. 354, we're going to sing it softly, my dear, if you would please. Every head bowed now and every eye closed and every Christian breathing a prayer. Lord Jesus, I don't know what you have planned for us tomorrow. Job said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. God, there may be a storm raging somewhere in the mountains. And tomorrow here in the sunshiny valley, we may, we, we may walk right out in a flood that we didn't know was coming. I pray, Lord, today if there's somebody here Maybe they're in a flood right now. Maybe it's all raging around them. Maybe all hell's breaking loose on them. Maybe the devil said, you, you're just not right. You're in the wrong spot. You're not doing the will of God. I pray, Lord, this will be a day of victory for them. Have your way. I wonder if there's somebody here lost. Would you raise your hand? Lost, you don't know the Lord. You've never been saved. Would you raise your hand and say, pray for me? My Father in heaven, take charge now. Speak to every heart. Maybe somebody will need to come to the altar for something. I don't know what, but you do. Have your way for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's stand together, please. If God's dealt with your heart about something in your life, something going on in your life, while we sing, will you come?